Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ready and Able. Um, we are a podcast for the girls, by the girls, where we help you make Torah practical. Today we have with us Mrs. Rivka Goldstein. Hi, Mrs. Goldstein. Would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself and where you come from? How are you, Sarah? First of all, thank you for inviting me. Um, just the fact that high school girls are getting together to do a podcast to increase the emuna, the Yiddish kai, and with uh, to increase the learn Hasidis. That's very hopeful. That is very beautiful. You give me hope for the future generation. So thank you for including me. Um, we appreciate that. Yes. I feel like you give the Rebbe a lot of nakas. You give Hashem nakas. And now you're giving your daughter Rivka some nakas. So I was not always daughter Rivka. I wasn't born Rivka, and I was not always daughter Rivka. I was born in a country called Singapore. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And um, and and I did not find Yiddishkeit till I was in my 30s and in Florida, in Miami specifically. Wow. Yes. Like Baruch Hashem. Wow. So what made you begin your search for God? You know that the Torah tells us that the Jews are the chosen people. Yeah. I think that Hashem made that choice before we were born. Um, I believe that as much as I chose Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit chose me because I was looking for a very long time. Um, and I always use this analogy of a little ugly duckling. I don't know if you heard this little fable, little fairy tales about little ugly duckling. She was born in, in uh, you know, the chicken coop. And her entire life, she felt like she didn't belong. She didn't look the part. She didn't feel the part. She always felt like she was different. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult. So she went around looking for a place where she belonged. And so she went first to, I think, to to maybe the horse's barnyard. And, and, and they kick her out. And they say, no, you're not one of us. Get out of here. And then she goes to the old ladies, she, uh, you know, went to the old lady's home and saw the cat. And she thought, oh, maybe I belong there. And she decided. So from place to place she went, she did not find a home. Until one day, she looked up to the sky and she saw this beautiful herd of swan that flew across the sky. And she looked up and they looked down and they say, what are you doing there? You were one of us come join us and from there she discovered that she was a beautiful swan after all she wasn't just a little ugly duckling um, not having a sense of home and she was in fact royalty and that's how i felt with my my yiddish kite i feel like coming to yiddish kite was was discovering that oh you know that this is where you belong and that you are, in fact, um, you know, you belong to Hashem's kingdom. You are part of Hashem's, uh, you're one of Hashem's children. And and there's nothing better than that, Sarah. So I know this is kind of like a, over, like 
a little bit of a side question, but why did you choose Judaism specifically? Like you said that it chose you, but isn't there like, it's almost like a turnoff that there's so many rules that you would have to follow and so many regulations and so many like things that you would have to take on. Like, do you think, didn't you like feel that maybe it was, it would be like a kind of a closure on your freedoms? So on the contrary, Sarah, I think that because I like to have fun, Mm -hmm. Fun is a big part of my life. I love dancing. I love a party. You know, anything that has joy and dancing and fun. I love all of that. Mm -hmm. And so in Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit, the rules and regulation, it's almost like the fences around a trampoline. Mm -hmm. Because I have fences and because, because there's protection, I can jump higher. I can have more fun. I can dance all I want under the fence of what Torah tells me. So for me, it's the opposite. And I think this is a message for educators. Yiddishkeit was never pushed down on me. It was never delivered to me in a tone or a voice that says, you must do this, you must do that, these are the rules. It was never like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it comes to me in a way that was just like, wow, this is beautiful. This is amazing. How come nobody taught me this? How come nobody told me this? This is so wonderful. I think that that perspective sometimes could get lost in when someone is born Jewish and they're going through the system. So I appreciate that you kind of were able to bring that fresh insight. You wrote a book called Creating a Life That Matters. What inspired you to write this book? And what made you say, this needs to be put out into the world? So Sarah, I was 40 years old when I had my first child. And when I discovered that I was going to be a mother for the first time, I was overjoyed. I said, thank you, Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Then at the same time, I realized that I don't have a Torah Zaidi or Babi on either side of my husband or my family. I wasn't going to have a strong guidance from family, from Torah, you know, Babi or Zaidi or, or aunt or uncle. There was not even cousins was going to support this child in, in his Yiddishkeit. So I depended very heavily on my community, my rabbis, his rabbis. And so soon as I discovered that I was pregnant, I wanted to make sure that this child was going to grow up with strong support. And I started writing him a love letter, Sarah. I started trying to tell him who he is, what life is about. You know, I wanted him to know everything from the beginning of the life to the end. I wanted him to know what it means to be a Jew what how to you know what Judaism tells us about how to date I wanted to tell him everything how to be married how to be a parent um, and what happens to a Jewish neshama after it leaves this world Mm -hmm. I wanted to prepare him and one of the reasons Sarah is because I spent such a big part of my life trying to figure out what life is all about and in that process 
it's like you know the blind leading the blind and you're going around you know, trying, you know bumping your head on 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 the wall and i said you know i don't want that for my son i wanted to give him what i call a life manual so this book was supposed to be a life manual that he could go to as a reference book he could go to when he needs guidance he needs he has questions so that he doesn't have to be bruised you know he didn't have to have bruises all over him he didn't have to bump his head the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And so that was the purpose for this book. That was really the true purpose for it. Yeah. I'm sure that you receive a lot of knuckles from your son. Yes, I receive a lot of knuckles, even though he said to me, he goes, Ima, do I have to read this book? <laughs> it's so thick. But in the meantime, Sarah, you're not going to believe this. But just before I came to this Zoom, I was at a friend's home mm-hmm. to help her, you know, pick up some tiles from her floors. She was renovating her home. And she said, Rivka, can you come and help me? So I was just by her. And she said, you know, she said, Rivka, I was in Cancun you know, on a vacation. And I saw this guy reading a book. And then I looked over and it, it was your book. I said, wow. And then I asked him, how do you find the book? And he said to her, this is my Bible. And he said that, you know, it's my Bible. I love this book. I read it. And, you know, and, and my friend shared this with me. So the knock has thus far has come from unexpected sources, um, wow. from reviews on Amazon, from reviews in other places. Um, people have found this book to be useful. And I was happy to hear because, Sarah, I was just doing my dance, you know. I was just doing what I thought was going to be important for my son. And and someone else is benefiting from it. Someone else is finding it to be a source of wisdom and guidance for them. I didn't expect that. And the truth is, when I wrote this book, I didn't think to put it out there. It really was meant only for my son. But my husband turned it into a tzedakah project. So God blessed him. So this book, 100% of the proceeds, you know, does not come to me. It goes to what, uh, you know, uh, printing, go to what, tzedakah. So... That's the whole purpose, that somebody else, another neshama who is struggling or who was struggling like me, can find answers, um, can find their way out. So amazing that like the whole, um, the whole idea of the book wasn't meant to be for other people. And then now so many people are gaining and being inspired from something you never originally intended to be public. Right. What do you think are the most powerful lessons that your book has to offer? Oh, there are many, many, many. I think that primarily I do think that um, I like to, um, you know, just let my readers know that, you know, everything that every question we ever have about life, every conundrum we ever have about life, it's already been answered. Our sages have spent um, centuries trying to educate us. Uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheels. We don't have to go looking outside of Torah for answers. We don't have to uh, search other religions in other places to look for what life is all about. Our sages have already told us we are Jewish neshama, and the answer has to be found to have to be found within Judaism. Um, but above and everything else, the primary message is this: the primary message is that we are not needy. We are needed. That's the primary message. You know, if you think about it, Sarah, we don't choose the way we look. 
Yeah. We don't choose, you know, we don't choose where we're born. We don't choose whether we are rich or poor. We don't choose any of those things. We came into this world because and only because we are a part of Hashem's vast eternal plan. We are a puzzle to his vast eternal plan. So we didn't come here to fulfill our own needs. We come here to fulfill Hashem's needs. So it really is a very liberating message. So the message is that, okay, I don't have to be worried about I, me, or mine. I just have to worry about what does Hashem want from me? What is it that he wants from me? And I'm going to have some fun along the way doing what, what Hashem needs from me. So that, I would say, is my primary, primary message in the book. Enjoy your life. Know who you are. You know, know who you are. Um, who, who are you? You, you are a holy neshama. You are an extension of Hashem. You are an ambassador to Hashem. You know, that's who you are. And why don't you have some fun doing it while you're on earth? You know? So so the primary thing is to find out who you are. I'll give you a little, Marshall. This guy, this guy, he is, um, you know, a very patriotic American. And, and he wanted to see the capital, you know, goes to D.C., goes to Washington, and he wanted to see the capital. And lo and behold, not long after he arrived, he saw this, this house, and he hears there were music coming out of this house. And the music was not something he's accustomed to. He's never heard it before. And so he approached the house, and the people came out, and they were dressing funny. They didn't look like Americans. They didn't dress like Americans. So he asked them, he says, um, do you eat um, hot dog and hamburgers? And they said, hot dog and hamburgers? No, no, we don't eat that. You know, we eat a special fish that we eat, you know? And then he says, do you celebrate the 4th of July? And they say, no, we don't celebrate 4th of July. We, we have our own holidays. We do our own thing. And then he asked a series of questions and every one of them, they didn't answer like they were Americans. So now he's living. He said to them, he goes, how long have you been here? 30 years? You've been here 30 years. You benefit from our system. You live in our land. You don't dress like us. You don't sing our songs and you don't eat our food. You don't look like us. What's wrong with you? Aren't you ashamed? And they look at him and they say, ah, we are the Norwegian embassy. If we look like you and if we dress like you, if we talk like you and we sing your songs, we're going to be out of a job. Mm. This is true for all Jewish neshamas. We come into this world as ambassadors to Hashem. We tell the world who we are. We say, look, this is how Jewish girls act. This is how we dress. This is how we sing. This is what we do. These are the holidays we celebrate. And we do it with joy and happiness. And we say, you know, Baruch Hashem, Todala Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for giving us this job. Otherwise, we come here and we would be without the job. What are we mm -hmm. going to do? Yeah. You know, eat bonbons all day. That gets boring. So I have a different question. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who feels like they're stuck in a rut, like they're just doing the actions, they're not feeling anything behind it. How can they get re-inspired? 
So we all feel that way from time to time, like we're in a rut. So there are a few things that I would recommend. You know, that's why Hashem gave us this prayer every morning, this prayer that says, you know, in the morning when we say, besides Moda Ani, which is set us in that tone, okay, I'm grateful. Even though I'm in a rut, I feel grateful that I woke up. And then every time I start with my prayers, when I go to Pokea Ivrim, I paused. I paused in that prayer and sometimes for a good five minutes with my eyes closed, even though it's about opening my eyes. I said, Hashem, can I think about whatever that I'm struggling with? I said, Hashem, the reason why I feel darkness is because I don't see. It's because my eyes do not see. Hashem, open my eyes, not just physically, but open my metaphysical eyes. Open my eyes to see, to see that today is a brand new day. Hashem, help me to see that I'm not in a rut that I feel. Hashem, help me to see that who I think I am is not who I really am. Help me to see me through your eyes, Hashem. Help me to do that because sometimes I feel like I'm in a rut and that feels horrible. So Hashem, help me out. So every morning you have an opportunity to make that bracha and you have an opportunity to take a break and think about that and say, Hashem, help me to see. And then there are a few other things you can do. Um, you can, if you can go away, you know, sometimes, you know, people go on, this is what, this is the benefit of going for vacation. And if you cannot afford the time or the finance, financial, you know, finances to go on a vacation, you can go on a vacation in your head, you know, go on a vacation in your head. Um, and Sarah, I love to dance. Sometimes when I feel like I'm in a rut, I turn on the music and I just blast the music. And then of course, they have to be powerful music. You know, Jewish music is, is higher vibration. And I, I put it in my ears and I, I dance. And then I feel like it gets me out of the rut for a while. And, and then I love, love, love listening to, to stories of Emona stories, the stories of how other people come out of their rut. And it's all about shifting our mind. Our mind is so powerful. We can come out of a rut just by making a decision. You know, having joy, joy is not a condition in our life. It's not, you know, you look around you and you say, everything is not going my way. But in one second, you can shift your perception and a shift in perception produces miracles. And all of a sudden, you look at everything differently. And wow. that's when you come out from that. Yeah. That yeah. is some powerful, powerful stuff. Power of our brain. What would you say, along this line, what would you say to someone who's questioning the way they were raised? Like, someone who's struggling to find their own truth within Judaism. So like, so to expand on what I was telling you before, right? You asked me if I'm, you know, how, how, if they're not inspired, you're saying if they're not feeling yeah. inspired. Okay, so Sarah, I have the opposite problem sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I cry. I, I don't know what this expression means. I cry the drop of a head. Like I would go to a, an upshurin and then the rabbi would talk about how you know, a child is like a tree and, and, and it's 
it, it, we shouldn't cut its hair, his hair because it's bearing fruit. When I hear something like that, Sarah, I start bawling because to me, wow, that is so beautiful. And I'm sure the rabbi is thinking, why is she crying? Because I'm so moved by the fact that Hashem cares so much that we that that we know that we shouldn't cut a child's hair. I'm so inspired by that. When I first became Jewish, I went to somebody's house for lunch. And in the middle of a lunch, somebody broke into Devar Torah. And I broke into tears. I said, you know, I've been eating lunch for 30 years. There was no Devar Torah in the middle of the lunch. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in a lunch and someone broke into a Devar Torah. And I'm taking it all in. And I'm saying, how beautiful is this? That there is a Devar Torah in the middle of a meal. How amazing is that? I go to a wedding. You're not supposed to cry in a wedding. And I see that the bride is so sneers. First of all, she's davening. She has a tehillim in her hand. She's davening for somebody else who need a shit on her. Right there, I'm already bawling. I look at her and I can't believe the holiness. I look at her and I start crying. I say, okay, don't cry. You're not supposed to cry at, 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 a, at a wedding. So I stop myself. And then I see her coming down. <laughs> yeah, Ellie. And she's looking so beautiful and holy. And she's so sneers and she's covered. Now I start bawling again. I say, okay, I remind myself, stop crying. This is not a funeral. <laughs> You're not supposed to cry. Then I see she goes under the hoopah. And she's, she's walking seven times around, uh, you know, her, her katan. And, and that, that's it. I'm on the floor crying. I said, this is so amazing. This is so beautiful. They are going to start a Jewish life, a Jewish home. This is going to be posterity. At posterity, I see the future of, 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 this, of this family. And I'm full of inspiration and joyful. So for me, everything that I see, I'm inspired in Yiddishkeit. I'm so grateful. I thank Hashem that I have in this lifetime to experience this, and even the slightest ritual. I never get over the fact that every Shabbos, um, my husband is Kiddush, um, every Shabbos there is, you know, Esher Chayim. Um, when I hear my son gives a Devar Torah, I cannot believe it. I'm filled with nakas from here to, you know, Shemaim. You know, all of that. And I'm taking in every word I hear. I just feel like that is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. I think it's so beautiful that you're able to see all the joy and all the little things that we're able to do every single day. I think it's really inspiring because even for myself, like I sometimes lose sight. Like I wake up, I say my daani, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking about what it means. I'm not necessarily thinking about what is being done when I'm watching Nagalas or I'm not exactly thinking about every word in Brachas. And I think it's so amazing that everything is so new to you and it's so like it still inspires you every time you experience it so it more than inspires me just put me in a state of tremendous and constant gratitude you know i say how did i get so lucky 
what did I do to get so lucky that I know to make a wasser, I know to make a bracha? How did I get so lucky that I should have the power to sanctify Hashem's name? How did I get to be so lucky that Hashem gave me this, this role in this lifetime? I could have gone through this lifetime without without any of this. But how did I get so lucky? So so because I'm in that mind frame, I'm in a constant state of gratitude. So mm-hmm. thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Um, everything I see in Yiddishkeit is so beautiful. And even the ugly part, even the part of the yenta part, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the right term is. Even the, the you know, even the part that, uh, that you know, somebody says, oh, because you're a convert, so you only see, you're, you're looking at Yiddishkeit with tinted glasses. I say, oh no, I understand. I see all of it. I see it, but I still appreciate it. You know, I still see it. I would think you appreciate it all the more so, and you're the one wearing, you're the one without the glasses. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right, yeah. So let's go back to your book. Your book, one of your topics is living versus existing. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to elaborate on that? Yes, absolutely. But before, before I elaborate on that, I was also thinking that, you know, if when I was your age, Sarah, if someone said to me, oh, one day you're going to grow up and you're going to get to, you know, you're going to marry a Jewish guy, you're going to cook Shabbos for 200 people and that you're going to wear someone else's hair on your head. I would be like, what are you talking about? You know, like, I don't know how to cook. You know, I'm not going to wear somebody else's hair on my head. But today, everything I do, even things that are kind of outside my comfort zone, I have a true appreciation for it. I really do, you know? Okay, so my book about living and existence, existing. What's the difference between living and existing? To exist, we need a lot of resources, right? To exist, we have to eat, we have to sleep, we have to have a roof over our head, we need friends. You know, existing is very demanding. But that's, you know, that's part of being existing is to take up space. Mm-hmm. That's part of existing. But life, and it's heavy, right? Because yeah. existing is all about I, me, mine. Yeah. But life, life is buoyant. Life carries you. A moment of life is infinitely precious. But then what is life? So Hashem created the world and he gave every thing and existence because they have to exist in order to exist and take up space. For example, fire exists, but it also gives life. It warms things up. It melts things down. Water exists, but it cools. The life of water is it cools things down. And stone exists, but it also gives stability. Its life is that it gives so uh, it gives um, stability. A human being exists, but then Hashem also gives us a life. What is our life? Our life is our contribution. It's what we give to the world. And you can ask the question, but you know, how do I do that? I'm only a high school girl. Yeah. You know? Right, you feel like I'm only existing, and in some in some way you're right. In some way, you are depending on your parents. 
you know, you don't feel like you have a life. You feel like you have to follow everybody's, you know, instructions. It's like you don't have a life, but that's not true. The truth is every teenager wants to change the world. You are idealistic. You want to make a difference. And Baruch Hashem, Todal Hashem, that's what you're here to do. But then where do you begin and how do you begin? Mm-hmm. So Sarah, we begin by the nine people that are in our lives. If you're lucky, you're more than nine people. We begin by the people that Hashem surround us by. So of course, every teenager is living at home. So they're surrounded by their siblings and their parents. Bezras Hashem. And so how do you have a life? You have a life by asking this question. What does my mother need from me? What does my father need from me? What does my brother need from me? What does my sister need from me? And you're like, oh, you know, sometimes we hear our mother calling our voice. We're like, oh, no, not again. What do you want from me? I'm done doing the dishes. You know? Yeah. But the truth is, that's your life. Because if you're not contributing, then you are just existing. And then you look around and, you know, do you have a friend in school? Is there a new girl in school? And is she feeling like her existence awkward? Is she feeling like she is all alone? So that's the person that you go and you share who you are with this person. And by doing that, and in doing that, you get a life. And that's the whole, that's the whole concept of tzedakah. What's tzedakah? You give away a dollar that is good for your existence. And you give away your existence in order that you have a life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Powerful stuff. So what is one takeaway that you would say about like what we spoke about today, the main takeaway. Well, Sarah, first of all, looking at you and the fact that, you know, all the high school girls are coming together to want to, you know, have a podcast to talk about, you know, how to better your life. Sarah, that is so beautiful. That gives me so much hope. That let me think that, oh, there is future, you know, that gives me so much about the future. And it gives me nachas. So I thank you for including me. So really, I just want to give you a blessing, Sarah, that you should go from strength to strength in this beautiful podcast that you're doing. You know, this beautiful podcast that you're doing, raising the sparks, bringing holiness in the air, you know, using a technology for holiness. You should be very proud of yourself. I think that your parents must be very proud of you. You know, sometimes the way we think of ourselves is not the way that others look at us and we think, oh, you know, no, you know, I'm not doing so good. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not this person. I'm not there because we always in our head compare ourselves with another girl, with the Mm -hmm. next girl. And but you should know that as long as you are learning Torah and you are doing mitzvahs, you are on a good track, you know, as long as you're there. This is one of the things that I love about Yiddishkeit. You don't have to overthink. You don't have to underthink. You just have to know that as long as you're learning Torah and you're doing mitzvahs, you are connected. And that this is what's the beauty of Yiddishkeit. 
Yiddishkeit simplifies. It simplifies life for each and every human being. You know, you don't, you know, if you understand this concept, you don't really need therapy. Yes, you do, but you don't, you know? So yeah. you said, yes, you said, you know, as long as I and my conscience is clear when I'm learning Torah and I think if this is mitzvah, I do it. If it's not, I skip it. It, it simplifies life. It makes life so easy. So that every step of the way when you are moving forward in your beautiful young life and when you're stuck, you ask yourself this question. Is this Torah mitzvah? If it is, I do it. If it's not, I skip it. That makes life so livable. That's so liberating. I don't have to grind and think, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, you know? So Sarah, you should go from strength to strength Amen. with joy and happiness. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, my dear.